Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Scumbags, this is the Scummy Mummies Podcast, with your hosts, Ellie Gibson and Helen Thorne. Hello and welcome to the Scummy Mummies Podcast, it's me, Helen Thorne. And it's me, Ellie Gibson. And I'm thrilled, Ellie, today. We've got a very, very exciting guest. I'm so excited. I am properly excited. We're going to the danger zone with Mandy Hickson. Happy day, Steve. I know, I was actually wondering where you were going with that one. I got the thing, yeah. Hello! Mandy Hickson is fucking badass. She's, you are a, you were, are you still a fighter pilot? Well, I think once you've been one, you can always say you are, and you still am. No, I don't fly anymore. First time in my life I'm not flying at the moment. But yeah, no, I was a fighter pilot. I uh, did it for 17 years. I am especially um, excited and pleased. Not that I'm not excited about all of our guests. I don't know, obviously, if any of them are listening. Yes. Oh, I love them all. Equally. We love you. We love you all, like yeah. all of our children, <laughs> apart from yeah. that. Uh, no, it's lovely to have you. But um, So my one of my ambitions when I was a little girl was to be a, a fighter pilot, or at least a pilot. Oh, really? I wanted to be a pilot. And then I was like, oh, I'll just be an air hostess. But I didn't manage that either. And Top Gun uh, and Maverick are two of my top three favourite films of all What's time. third? Spinal Tap. Basically, Mandy, you are living my dream! <laughs> I am, I have. Oh, yes. yeah, tell I us, have so. did you always want to be a, a pilot? Uh, yeah, I did actually. So from a really young age, from about 13, I went flying with the Air Cadets, uh, flew and loved it. I actually joined the Air Cadets because my mum said, if you want to meet some boys, you go to an all-girls school, it's your only chance. So, basically, so you went for cock, but you got into the cockpit. <laughs> oh, boom! It boom. was a different time. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. Uh, no, it was good. It was great actually. So no, I flew while I was there, and I, honestly, I loved it. And I thought, right, that's what I want to do. But women weren't allowed to be pilots in the air force at that oh, stage. Wow. So chosen a career that didn't exist. Ah, tricky one. So, that's but what? Cool. But then what happened? Well, then I was given a flying scholarship, um, but you'll appreciate this one, um, because basically I went for the interviews not that far from here, actually, at Biggin Hill. Oh, um, yeah. Just I, up I, the road. I yeah, went yeah. past there on the way here, on a, obviously a detour of many places. And, um, yeah, and basically they told me I had an obesity problem, which was nice. At six foot tall, they said I should be nine stone. How? How? So, I know, not right. So basically, this son had to lose three and a half stone if I was up to even get the flying scholarship. And they wouldn't give me my scholarship until I did that. And when I looked into it, their height charts went up to five foot eight. And I was six foot tall and they didn't add anything for it. Oh, oh my God. So I basically had to cut a leg off. I had to cut a leg off. Fuck me. Um, I know, it was really annoying. Anyway, I lost all the weight because that's what you do when you're 17. You don't challenge the process. And got a scholarship, got 30 hours of free flying at Blackpool Airport, 
which my mum pointed out if I got lost, I could use the tower to get home. (laughs) (laughs) So that was nice. I did that and then went to uni and joined the University Air Squadron, which is like a continuation of the cadets, and I got about 160 hours. I was in my second year at uni when they changed the rules and allowed women to join. So wow. So you were one of the first women I was the, to fly Yeah, it. I was the first woman to fly the Tornado GR4. So I was one of the sort of uh, very few first women that were going through, basically, as they literally changed the rules. But when I applied, I failed all of the aptitude tests to be a pilot twice. Oh. And it was what a, are the tests like? What do you Oh, my do? God. They're quite brutal, actually. They're about four hours long, and they're all on computers. Um, I could totally test, do that. I'm hand to eye coordination. Yeah, well, with your power washing. Exactly. All my video games it. would be amazing. Be all over it. <laughs> Ellie, um, I think you've got a new career ahead of you. It's yeah. not too late. It's, it's not, not too late. late. So you can do that thing in Sonic where you go around that tunnel and you have to get the gold hoops. Oh, easy. That's a piece then, of piss. Frankly, my eyes closed. You'd be all over it. Do that with, with my feet. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, so I failed them all. And then I failed them again and then I was told I couldn't be a pilot um, and they took me on as an air traffic controller and oh, wow. but fortunately for me my boss of this club the University Air Squadron said this is not right you're a really really good pilot and he basically decided to challenge the Air Force and they after much investigation they found out that there was a huge unconscious bias and loads of women that were taking these tests for failing them <gasps> compared to the men that were passing and so they took me on as a test case oh. wait for this to find out how far I'd get before I failed and they oh. told me they told me that which was lovely can you imagine that that was a real shocker actually because when you actually think about it you know in life you know you set yourself goals you set yourself your crazy goals of like going to Everest base camp and stuff and being insane why would you do that why would anyone do that Um, and then basically but if you're told you won't succeed it does a really weird thing to your brain doesn't it Mm. you know what I mean because we set goals to succeed at them but if you're told here's your goal but by the way you won't make it it, it just completely buggers your brain up and and actually when I look back I didn't know it was called it at the time but that was imposter syndrome the start of it where every time I'd fail a trip in flying training I think oh it's because you're shit it's because you didn't pass the test it's because you're rubbish yeah that was your default setting rather than the same as all the guys on my course who were going well that was tough never mind I'll do it again yeah really interesting so it's a yeah. really interesting what goes on in your brain at that point isn't it did you know that how much that was to do with sexism and your gender and kind of or did you kind of were you aware because when I started out in video games which you know being a games journalist is the same as being a fighter pilot basically <laughs> basically it is very similar actually um, yeah but it was all boys and me and I didn't really think about that a lot until no. you know little things started to happen or I started to notice Can things I just, are you really is. into gaming then yeah yeah oh my god just, before I was a comedian I did, did it for a job for like 15 years oh my god she's that's won brilliant. an award she's won an award yeah. yeah what was that what was the, what, the award uh, for being the best games journalist. <laughs> oh my god! So you, oh my god! I'd, that would have been a brilliant job to have. I love that you're sitting here a fit no, fighter pilot. Going, Are I you think really? that would be. I, I'm just gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I, oh, I'd like Tomb Raider and stuff like that when that first came yeah. out. Oh my god, I'd get obsessed. My, I realise though, I have a bit of a, an obsessive personality, and when I start doing something, I can't stop it. So yeah. now I just have to not start. Yeah. You know to me, I just don't start doing it because I think I'll just waste my life. You'll end up p- playing Power Wash Simulator for 24 I hours. Were, I mean, can you imagine doing that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and, but what I mean is, did, did you did you have a sense of, quite immediately, oh, this is a boys' club and I'm going to have to work harder, or is that something that Oh, of course you do, yourself? because you're the only woman. I mean, like, actually, I, I did have another girl on one of my courses, which was really nice, but then as you go further and further through, you're the only woman. Um, I had a lovely girl, Mitch, who was at one course in front of me. She went and ended up flying the Harrier, which was a single seat, so she did brilliantly. Um, and then 
Isn't it funny? So she did brilliantly. I consider myself to have not done so brilliantly because I flew Just tornado. Pure tornado. You know, what is which... a tornado for anyone so who's tornado not familiar with the planes? It's mm. very like Top Gun. So imagine yeah! Top Gun where you basically have um, a pilot and a, what now called weapon a system goose. software. Yeah. A goose. Yeah. You have someone in your back seat, whereas some of the aircraft, like an F-15 um, and Harrier, they're single seat. So the pilot right. does everything. So I had a helper. Do you have a call sign, Mandy? <laughs> Like in Top Gun? Yeah. What is it? Is it because of sexism? Is it like Volva? What is it? It was not Volva. It was Big Bird. Big Bird! Big Bird! Wow! Because <gasps> Sesame Street was around at the time and I'm six foot tall. Wow. Do you know what? That's disappointing because I was hoping to be Ice Maiden. Yeah. Because that would have been really cool. They tried to give me Hoover at one point. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not being a Hoover. Well, because I was a woman. And that's where oh, I belonged. You, just, you know, oh, obviously in the go house. Down that oh, wow. So they give you. Well, your basically, call sign. it's always a joke. I mean, there were lots of um, uh, there were lots of comedy call signs like Phil McCrevis and obviously Flappers Maximus and all of these sorts of things, which went on on a Friday evening bar badges. But Big Bird was given to me. But were the yeah. women's ones always about? Is it like when Gladiators was all racist in the old days? Was it always really about? gender whereas everyone else has called well, something really. like biscuit face no no because there was a guy there was a guy called sumo so called because he had a penchant towards larger women wow, wow. so there was lots of ones like that that were a bit dodge you okay know. sorry jaw off the floor um, so can yeah. you tell us about Not when you the same as top wow. <laughs> we get sumo and big bird and they have like maverick and viper Oh yeah. man! Yeah. And and were, were like was the mess hall and you know the locker rooms? I'm, I'm just trying. Was it all just like jazz having mad. a sexual fantasy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, was it all men snapping each other with towels? <laughs> that was a lot. Playing volleyball. Oh. I mean, to be honest, you just couldn't get in for all of those men whacking each other with towels. No, it was it was like <laughs> that. So first day on the squadron, every single screensaver is a naked woman. <gasps> wow. So the next day, they're all naked men. And the next day, they're all landscapes. Well done. I mean, when I used to go to the Gulf, so I did three tours in Iraq, and I'd go out to this big, like, we're in this horrible, it's almost like a glorified porter cabin, and you get given your room. I mean, there's all joint showers and all the rest of it, but you have a room to yourself, which was luxury. Mine was always guaranteed wall-to-wall pornography. I was get, not, not all the rooms had any. Do you mean on, on the walls? Like but literally on the, walls. on the walls, on the ceiling, on literally what everywhere. I would strip it all down. I mean, more than just saying, "Who wants to swap rooms with me?" I don't know why I didn't do that. But I think I'd arrived on the squadron. I was, you know, the only girl, only woman on the squadron, and you sort of just sort of got on with it. And I think, oh, so, so I'd just strip all the porn off, yell, "Porn's up, boys!" And then it would all just disappear within minutes. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, like, if you think, you know, when you talk about sex, there was no female toilet, so I always, like, would walk behind the guys and just go, I'm behind you, <laughs> don't turn. Yeah. But, you know, I don't want to see that. There was no female flying kit. Um, they'd sort of opened the doors to women, but hadn't really thought through the process, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, because so the uniforms are all obviously designed for, for, men. for men. So I had literally Y-fronted long johns for the entirety of my career, That's which cut scratchy. into your... Yeah. Well, if you've got big hips and quite a big bottom, like mm. I have, then they would cut into you, and they also put a lot of extra padding in that area where you don't really need the heat. No, if you no, know thank what I'm you. saying. Yeah. No what one about, needs a sweaty gusset. What no. about... This is this is not on Top Gun. What about the weeing in midair, Mandy? Absolutely. Not good. Not good. Not so good. the men can do it. They have a little plastic bag, which basically has a sponge in it, a very dehydrated sponge, and they basically oh. get their willy out and wee in the bag 
and I was over a rack once and basically I was absolutely, you have to fly hydrated because if you get shot down, you don't want to be shot down and dehydrated and thirsty. No, no, I'm not. Because there's no. a few other issues going on. Yeah, so you, yeah. Want, you know, you want to be, got th- a lot you know, on. yeah. So they say be really hydrated. So I was hydrated and of course all the men go for a wee right before getting in the jet, but I can't because I've got all my kit on and if I was to then take all my kit off, I've got to go back to basics. So I wear a lot of boiler suits, I can understand. You can, you're I, yeah, with yeah, me yeah, on yeah, this yeah, one. Yeah, it's well, like I a tra- don't wear them. It's yeah, like okay. trouser suits, but with additional layers on yeah, the top. No. So it's a bit of a fast. So I didn't do that. So I'm now airborne and I'm over a rack and I said to my guy in the back, I said, oh my God, I need a wee. And he was like, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I've got a bottle of water, but it was full. So I thought, all right, I'm going to have to drink the water, <laughs> empty the water. Really fill yourself fill up. Fill myself up, really hydrate, and then I'll be able to do it. So I'm going to have to strip off. So it's basically like wrestling a small octopus in a telephone <laughs> booth, basically. I've got to get a flying kit off, life support jacket, in, in oh, and over a rack. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so basically, and I had to put make sure we both put our ejection seat pins in so that I, he, if someone shot at us, he didn't eject because I'm now not strapped into my seat. So his seat pin goes in, it stops him ejecting. Mine is in as well. I'm stripping down. I get to the point of doing it. And he's basically, we've got this radar warning receiver, which tells us if a, a missile is looking at you. And every time it looked at us or something looked at us from the ground, he'd have to go, Mandy, we've got a surface to a missile in our right three o'clock. And I'd go, can you stop calling them? I just need to relax and get in the moment. And I basically, I kept on doing it. Every time I was about to wee. He would call SA, SA9, SA6. I was like, fuck. And in the end, I, I didn't manage to have one. Oh. And I made the situation 100 times worse. And I gave myself a kidney infection. Oh, oh my gosh. A urine infection straight into a kidney infection. So I was in so much pain by the time we landed the jet that you're meant to like bring it to a standstill and then they check all your wheels and then you go into this sun shelter. And I just literally pulled it to a thing. I said, get me some transport. I'm shutting down now. And they all went, right. All the ground crew going, okay. And they called the transport. And I got to the top step because it's about about six or seven steps up it's a probably about 10 foot up to get to the top of the jet i fell off the top step and i landed at the bottom i was lying on the floor in agony oh. bent over like with the worst start of you know bloody a urine infection that you've ever imagined and they literally helped me up and you could see them going fuck this yeah. is actually really serious i got to the loo and when i got to the loo and had to get all the kit off I didn't actually start weeing for five minutes yeah. because I'd held on to it for so long. And then finally when I did, the pain was so acute and it had gone straight into a kidney infection. Oh. And I was off flying them for about three weeks. This is putting me off, Mandy. I'm not I'm sorry, they don't tell you that. She loves a wee. I love a wee. And I mean, now, thank God I don't do it now, because I'm like, wee all the time. I mean, if anyone's ever been walking, I mean, my God, on Everest, I was literally weeing about every two minutes. We we very much enjoyed an outdoor... um, I love an outdoor wee, though. Mm. Thank God I do, because I think otherwise I'd struggle. What, going back to that thing of like where you're saying, right, okay, in case we got shot down, blah, blah, blah. And you say that matter of fact. What is it like every day to go to work thinking... Well, I might die today. This might be you the don't, day. No, you or do you just not? That. You no. just don't allow that in, or you no. just what? No, I, I never ever thought I was going to die. Um, you, you don't go to work ever. My biggest fear was failure. I'll be honest, and that's you know I, I would be. My fear was letting my team down. My fear was underperforming. My fear was never being shot down, which mm-hmm. is a good place to be. Although when I was going through flying training, we I was going through the operational conversion unit on t- to fly the tornado. Basically, at lossy mouth, and it was. I call it like the darkest day of my life when I helped two guys plan a mission and they never came back. <gasps> oh, and they literally flew into a mountain, and it was absolutely horrific. They flew into a mountain, yeah. Oh my it was God. really poor weather, and they 
ended up getting disorientated because they're in thick cloud quite close to the ground and ended up pulling thinking oh. they were pulling up and they pulled down and and they both died instantly and actually that was horrific i mean truly horrific because you're training to fly this aircraft and we're about to go into it and my husband was a pilot as well and about four days later I was flying on I was again on another training sortie and we heard and he was flying hawks at the time and I heard a hawk had just crashed and I was like mm. airborne thinking fuck is it Craig fuck is it Craig and that had still had to focus on the mission that we were doing because it was a training sortie and if I'd failed it I'd have been you know had to do it again so I was like just concentrate just concentrate all the time I'm just thinking oh my god please let it not be my my boyfriend you know and mm. so that was quite tough as well mm. um and then and then there was another crash as well so we had three within about a two-week period it was just horrific and then but when I was in the gulf actually um yeah I I, I was never that worried about dying Mm. I know that sounds mad, really? isn't it? Yeah, I, I genuinely wasn't. And I think you can't do that job if you are thinking about that. Maybe. I'm wondering if you have to have that quality Yeah, to do I think that you have job. to be pretty resilient. I mean, you've mm. gone through a lot of training to get to this point. I mean, I mean, the fly, I mean, the worst sort of things that you do are like combat survival training, you know, where you get interrogated like in the CS Who Dares Wins. Now, that is horrific. Oh, no. Never, ever do that again. What did they do? Oh my god! You're stripped naked. You you know you're tied to a chair. You don't need someone's behind you. You're like being interviewed like with nothing on, and you don't know there's someone behind you. And then suddenly like they smack the back of your chair with a piece of lead pipe, and you're like, what the? F-? I nearly literally nearly wet myself. Um, but you'll appreciate this in a scummy mummy's way. My friend, there's you get this ration pack, and it says don't eat the fudge because it was out of date. We were so hungry because we'd been living on rabbits and mushrooms that we'd managed to kill and forage for like a week. And there was this fudge bar and he went, fuck it, I'm going to eat the fudge. And so I said, just eat the fudge. And we're lying now in these bushes waiting to be captured. And I heard his stomach go... Oh, and no. I was like, oh, Jez, how are you feeling about that fudge? And he was like, oh, my God. He said, I'm not going to be able to get my kit off in time. I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. He went, I'm going to leave it as a little gift for the interrogators. <gasps> oh, because he's going to be stripped. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, wow. So he shat himself and then had to sit in it for the next few hours. And then they strip search him. And I was in the room next door. It was the biggest Marabies because I heard the guy, What the fuck is that? <laughs> when they saw the delight of a very... Wow. That's a different nasty. kind of fudge. Uh, that was a lot of fudge, hot fudge. Had they put laxatives in the fudge? No, it was out of date. It just, it was out, just of out of date. date. I didn't know you could shit yourself from out of date fudge. Never touch out of date fudge. Fuck That's me. all I'm going to say. Fudge is mainly butter, so I guess it went on the turn. Absolutely. Whoa, no. I never really whoa. thought about it, right? yeah. but that's probably why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. These are my top tips for anyone going for survival. <laughs> Oh, yeah! I didn't realise that that level of interrogation is. Oh yeah, it's and it's literally. They said it's got a ten year, ten year currency on the course, and I was like, if you ever make me do that course again, I will literally. You're interrogated for twenty four hours, and by the end of it. So no sleep, obviously, in that. Oh God, no! And you're in stress positions. You're being interrogated. Stress positions, interrogated. And by the end of it, you're believing that you are being interrogated. It's mental. Yeah, you would be. What it does to your brain is mad. And you've been on the run for for like eight or nine days by that point. So you're really, you're exhausted. I mean, I lost a stone in weight in the week. Mm. Um, 
And so you've got nothing left to give. And basically they're interrogating you. And at the end they sort of say this, no duff, no duff, no duff. This is over. And I was like, I don't believe you. Oh, and really? I mean, and that night, that next day you go out and you all go out and some of the interrogators arrive to have a beer with you. And you're I like, was going to say, what kind of person does that job? Well, can you imagine it? I think you've got to be really sick. Really oh. sick to do that. Because one of Ellie's side hustles is that she has to grill a CEO. I mean... <laughs> But you don't strip them naked and bang don't them with a pie. Do some do media Maybe training where I'm like, so video oh, games, really? loot boxes. You're just encouraging children to gamble, aren't you? You hate children, don't you? You hate them. You're evil. And uh, I quite enjoy it. I, quite I can enjoy imagine. It. I quite but, like that. Yeah. But no, it's like 40 minutes over Zoom. It's not standing in a dark room with someone who's just shat themselves. <laughs> well, maybe try strip it, you know, attach them to a chair and go up with some lead piping behind. Oh. Thing. Yeah. Do you think all that training prepared you, Mandy, for motherhood? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I think I would prefer to be shot at in Iraq than have to go through some stages of motherhood again. <laughs> Quite frankly, uh, this no. is very reassuring for the mothers out there who go, "This yeah. is really hard," and we've had it's it confirmed. Really, really yes. hard. We've had it confirmed by a fighter pilot that and the pilots in Iraq who can't decide whether or not to have a child. Uh, yeah. Let this be a warning yeah. to you. Honestly, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I, I genuinely were times where I just thought, "What on earth have I done? This is just the hardest thing ever." Because there's no rule. No, not hardest. Harder than that. Harder than yeah. being eating rabbits for seven oh days and God. dodgy fudge and being belted yeah. with a lead pipe. Yeah, Harder I mean, I think I cried more. In motherhood. Really? Yeah. Especially during the teen years. I was in lockdown with two teens. Wow. I mean, that is... And two teen boys. Two teen boys. How old are they now? They are now 18 and 19. They're six foot six. Wow. So Mm. you've been a mother for nearly two decades. Yeah. We're going to have a 20th birthday next month. Yeah. Wow. I know. So I'm sort of... I'm coming out of it. My two boys have actually just, just become nice. For anyone that's in the teen years, I think... Yeah, 18 about was the turn, so you've still got some time to go. Oh, some time. Yeah. Mm. So Sorry. where were you in your career when you had the first child then? How did so that work So I was on the squadron, out? so I was um, flying on the tornado squadron, got pregnant, didn't know I was pregnant, carried on flying, getting hit in the stomach with a G-suit. Does not... It's not good Do you mean pregnancy. G-force? Do you mean G-force, like... yeah, you're wearing a G-suit, which is basically... It looks like a pair of like cowboy chaps, if you can imagine. So you've got these like air-filled bladders that you strap onto your waist and your legs, as this sort of like a like this this suit around it. It's what they always have, just like hanging around there, as in like Top Gun. Mm. And then as you get into the aircraft, you plug that in, and as you pull G-force, it, it inflates, so it compresses all of your legs and your stomach and stops you from blacking out. Right. Basically, it gives oh, you extra wow. G tolerance. So it gives you about an extra 2G of tolerance. And so, I mean, when I was doing like really extreme flying, um, doing some trials, I was doing a G-suit test for a new bit of kit and had had um, it all on my top half as well. And we were pulling sustain 9G. So your body's the same weight as a Formula One car. I'm doing this circle round. When I landed, I was like <gasps> doing what's called the anti-G straining manoeuvre, which basically looks like you try not to have a poo or you're trying to have a poo basically whilst taking in air. So it's like... <gasps> And you'll do that solidly for like a long time. And I landed, I was in the bath that evening and I looked down and I got blood blisters basically around my entire body where all the seams were. Because all the blood, if you can imagine like a child trying to push the blood up to the top of their head and they burst their face with blood blisters, as my son did once when we thought he had meningitis. He did not. And it was on my birthday and we were in hospital for quite a long time before he went, look what I've been doing all day. But it's like, oh my God, he's burst all the blood vessels in his face. Oh, oh Jesus so, Christ. Yeah, anyway. So <laughs> that was fine because we could go home and go out and piss. But, but yeah, so I burst all the blood vessels. So that was G-force. And the, oh, and the reason I got to that was, so I miscarried. 
I didn't know I was pregnant and I miscarried. Do you think because of all the GPs? I'm thing absolutely in it? certain. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, without God. a doubt. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, it happens to you know. At least I thought I can get pregnant because up to that point I thought I probably couldn't. So you know that was a because I just found out I was pregnant. I had sorted out a uh, ground tour to go to, and so I carried on and went to the ground tour, and then I got pregnant. I had a very productive ground tour because I had two kids in very quick succession. Wow. So yeah, basically, you do a ground tour, but don't go into work very much because you're just on maternity for the whole time. Oh. <laughs> That's good planning. And yeah. was the reaction from like the people you were working with and your super was there was there was that okay? Because obviously that would have been unusual for someone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was indeed. Yeah, I mean to put in perspective, you know, I was at I was based at High Wycombe, which is like Strike Command. That sounds very cool, doesn't it? But yeah. Strike Command. So you've got a lot of senior staff there, and I'll never forget. It was a bit where I wasn't pregnant, which was a very short period. And we went to a garden party, and there was the the head of the air force there. And I walked into the garden party or this cocktail party, and my husband was with me. And he instantly turned to my husband and said, "Oh, hello there. And what do you do here?" And my my husband looked him at him and I do nothing here, but my wife is serving here. And he went, "Oh, and what do you do?" And I went, "I'm a tornado pilot." And he went. Oh, oh, sorry, I forget. I forget. I forget that we have them. You know what I mean? Sort of thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, but that was what you had all the time. Yeah. I mean, that, that assumption that you never, that, that, that women weren't doing it still. And that was the bloody chief of the Air, Air Force at the time. Fuck me. So, yeah, you, there was a lot of unconscious bias that existed really in those days. But, mm. you know, so I had my children then, and then actually, I did, I, and this is really where I was a bit pissed off in many ways because the Air Force wasn't really set up. They hadn't gone through the whole, what we going to do next? And when I said, right, I'm coming off maternity leave, I was told my next job would be straight back to the tornado and, I'm, and we were deploying to Afghanistan. I was like, I'm breastfeeding. Mm. I've got a four-month-old baby. How am I going to go out to Afghanistan? You know, that's not going to work. And they said, well, uh, we don't really know. And mm. I'd found a job, actually. I was living in Winchester. I found a job at Boscombe Down, which is near Salisbury. It was like half an hour away. And it was a ground tour. And it was nine to five. It was Monday to Friday. I said, this works. No tornado pilot wanted to do it because it's considered a really dull job. But it fitted in perfectly with my life because it meant I could basically be a mum and I could work in the Air Force still. And I could do a job that no one else wanted to do. So I ticked lots of boxes. But I was told if I took that job, I would never be promoted again. Because, of course... It was a it was a job that wasn't sort of like a look at me heading through my career. Yeah. No, it wasn't a step up. It was a very sideways step. And and actually, the guy that told me that has just stepped down as the head of the air force. And he's been a real champion for women, though. And he's been trying to really change the change the whole culture, change the the mindset of people. And did that turn out to be true? You were never promoted. I was never again? promoted again. No. So and I wouldn't and because I then didn't wasn't doing a like a high flying job boom boom yeah um yeah no i was never going to be promoted from that so i i finished that job and then i left the air force but that was after 17 years so they got their full money so how do you feel about that now you sound like you're all right with that or yeah, no, is there not it does, a it does piss off. me off actually yeah. yeah no that really does actually it's the one thing i do think if i could have my time again i wish i could have argued my case a bit better or said look you need to come up with a different policy you know You've got to accept that if you want women to be doing this job, which they do, you've got to come up with a better structure that will allow people to step onto the career ladder, off the career ladder, and then back on again. And they have done that now. It's much better now. Um, But in those days, it was still really new. You know, this was 20 years ago, well, 18 years ago when I Mm. sort of did it. And so it was still... Things were still changing then. And I think Mm. it's easy to judge things from 20 years ago with the lens of now... Yeah, but things have changed now, and they yeah. were different then. 
Well, speaking of which, can I ask you, and if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. I wanted to ask you about the Iraq war and the fact mm. that, you know, we went to war yeah. based on supposedly having information, yeah. which we now know we didn't have. Lots of people yeah. think Tony Blair's a war criminal, all of that. How do you feel about all of that? Well, as you put it, Sayla, <laughs> I'm sensing that that's a leading question. <laughs> no, I mean, no, it's, well, I'm, the interesting thing is that when you're serving in the military, you are signing up to do your job. Your job is not to be like a conscientious objector. It sure. is to defend the nation or to carry out the acts that you are tasked to do. And if you're going to debate that, that's not you're not doing the right job. So I'm not saying that you can't have an opinion on it, but I'm saying at the time you do what mm. your tasking is. I totally get that. Yeah. I totally, and totally I think understand. You have I have to seen be, Top Gun enough times. Yeah, to know, know. That you are following orders. You are following orders. And you're orders, not there yeah. to question stuff or to what. Yeah, but um, I mean, how do you how did how you do feel I, in retrospect when the sort of information about it all came out? I think it, it is a really interesting one, and I think the thing is that when we were actually, for example, I was there in the build up to Gulf War Two. So when they were escalating things, and and definitely activity was escalating all the time. So. I was shot at by surface-to-air missiles, shot at by guns, you know. And so we saw that on a daily basis escalating. And, of course, you realise suddenly they are trying to kill you. Mm. And so that does that become a little bit of an instinct where you go, well, fuck you, I'm going to do my job as well. So you know what I mean? So there was that side of things. Um, and at the time when I was out there, because I didn't, we didn't know what we know now, that there were no uh, weapons of mass destruction and all the rest of it. We were, you know, our tasking with things like to destroy a fibre optics cell because all of their intelligence is about to go underground and actually if, we, if it gets online, we're going to lose all our intelligence. Mm. So that was like one of my taskings would have been to, to, to destroy that building. Um, so there's things like that which, you know, would have, you know, I could completely understand the tasking. Yeah. And I think there, there's that part of it that you do have to be to be able to process that in your own mind you have to think and believe that you are doing the right thing yeah mm. otherwise yeah otherwise you, you know you, you're basically it's a bit of a nightmare really yeah you're in the wrong job no, i should have sure. just been gaming to me i think i probably <clears throat> would be like shit i might die today but i think it's brilliant that you you're so strong you were just able to or, or maybe i don't know maybe that's just yeah. characteristics i don't know yeah i mean i had a couple of instances where i thought i might die but you know i mean but you sort of get over it pretty quickly you know I mean one was a near miss where I basically nearly hit this aeroplane that was coming towards me down a lake in Wales and I spotted my wingman and I said oh my god one in your 12 o'clock it was real you know 12 o'clock and he evaded it and as I turned I was like holy fuck I've got his wingman directly in front of me and I literally pulled back now thank god he didn't see me because if he had seen me your closure angle at that point is over a thousand miles an hour, basically. Wow. Perspective. I pulled and I pulled nine G in a vertical to Ooh, pull up, God, and man. my wingman then went, "Mans, where are you?" Or you know, um, Spartan two, where are you? And I was like, "Fuck, I'm at twenty thousand feet." No, because I was like, oh. I mean, "I've got amazing phone reception." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was a bit of a that was a, a, a little bit of a sphincter clenching moment, and I had another sphincter clenching moment when I landed um, in a thunderstorm in Canada, and I engaged thrust reverse, and basically we spun through nine, uh, about 120 degrees. We're going backwards down a mo- uh, down a runway at 160 miles an hour, and my navigator said, "I'm not ejecting yet." And I was wow. like, "Fuck, honey, where? What? I've never thought about ejecting. Shit, should have been ejecting. Should have been ejecting. Have you injected? No, I've no, never I mean, injected. Sorry, injected. Injected. I, I have not injected." 
or ejected. And and I mean you've obviously learned so much from the all these experiences and now you're going on to do talks about leadership yeah. and yeah. imposter syndrome and, and how has that felt, you know, as a you know, career shift, as a you know I love that actually. Yeah. I, I really do enjoy it. So I travel all over the world doing it. Um, when I left actually I retrained to be an airline pilot because that's what everyone does. You mm. assume you've got a skill set. You assume that's what you should do. So I retrained in that. And then I didn't want to do it. My heart was never in it. So oh, my why? husband was... It's a very good job for many people. Yeah. But it just wasn't for me. I believe... I, I'm passionate about flying. But being a commercial pilot never really... It never just, it never lit my voice. See, I think fire. it looks lovely. You sit there, you've got a lovely view. You've got a nice view. People bring you in a nice hotel. Imagine staying in a nice hotel. Now, that's not quite the reality of it, though, because oh. you're constantly changing time zones. You're constantly knackered. All my friends that do it just basically look like they're about 90 in the middle of it. You know what I mean? My husband was doing short haul. He would drive up from Winchester, do four, four sectors and train someone to do it and then drive back and he'd be like... I can barely speak, I'm so tired. Mm. And it's just, I don't know, there's a lot of button pressing, not as much flying, raw flying as you want. I believe, I think the difference is that you've got to process is that you're managing a system. Right. You're not flying. You're yeah. managing an incredible system. You're, it's a huge honour to be able to obviously operate that aircraft. And I think it is an exciting career to go into, but I just think the scheduling side of it. And also I had two little kids and I thought, oh my God, how's that going to work if we're both airline pilots? So I was really hammered at a dinner party, basically, truth be known. I was telling a story of being shot at in Iraq and evading this missile. And this guy said to me, man, this would make a brilliant like story for a, a conference. And I went, what do you mean? You know, it's a keynote speaker. I went, no, I still don't know what you mean. I've never been to a conference and I've never heard a speaker. And they said, well, you have these big conferences and someone will always close it like from the world of sport or something. And I went... Jesus, I get to talk about myself. Happy days. So <laughs> We've made a career out of it. I, we understand. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so basically, put together... And at the time as well, I was retraining as well in like being a coach, a facilitator in what we call human factors. So it's about why does an aeroplane crash? I hate to tell you, 75% of the time it's down to us human okay. error to err uh, is human and so we all make mistakes yeah, but there's, there's, there's like you know yeah. putting the butter in the freezer instead of the fridge and then <laughs> there's your like keys in, in killing there, yeah. 300 people yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah th- th- there's a slight difference actually uh <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah. poor Helen I should tell you Mandy Helen has oh, a fear you have of flying. flying and she's been very good last few years she's, she's got she's I'm got getting, a bit better but I, I can see you now physically it's yeah. all coming back how did you cope with Luckler? <laughs> what I took Valium yeah <laughs> the flight to which is like to yeah. Yeah. She yeah. Some, yeah. on a tiny yeah 18 seater it was take. quite interesting that one wasn't it I mean that yeah. is the most dangerous airfield to land in the world yes yeah, so, so I, so I researched been frightened no I was excited I was there going god let me up there yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. and then and then actually we did what you did we helicoptered off as well which was bloody brilliant yeah. do you know what I, I, I quite because I, I I felt like I was in again I felt like I was in a video game because being in a helicopter just yeah. feels like a toddler has picked up a toy mm, yeah. and you're just sort of floating around and then you just kind of and I just sort of went well this is a completely new experience I yeah. don't have a, who was in the front seat I wanted to go in the front seat but there was four of us girls and one man oh. and when we were going to get on it I said 
um, I'll go in the front if you like. And he went, no, no, that's fine. I'm fine in the front. And then no. I was like, well, oh, we drew straws for it. We wrote numbers. Oh. I won. But then I was like, I get to sit with all my mates in, in a yeah. row. And yeah. that was cool. So I yeah, was in the yeah. middle. Ellie was on the, you know, the side. So it's fine. Well, I won. And then I was very nice because I'd been in a helicopter quite a few times. So I gave it to a girl that had never been in a helicopter and gave her the front seat. Oh. But I did take a window seat. Yes, yeah, I, just so I had to take a window seat. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm always happy to sit in the middle. <laughs> but yeah, that was exciting. Yeah. Anyway, we um, But human error, sorry. You human saying, error. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's nearly always down to the human. So, I retrained in basically how we can educate people in all of the things around how to stay safe in the air communication skills, decision making under pressure, stress, fatigue, all of those things. And we run these mandatory courses for all pilots. Everyone that's worried about flying will be relieved to hear that obviously after we started doing that training in 1992 our error rate went down massively so it's incredible saving so- lives man there's saving lives right there's, there's been no plane crashes since 1992 in, isn't that right in Mandy? 2017 there was not one loss not of life one. due to an airline crash which is pretty phenomenal when you think yeah. yes. how many aeroplanes are in the air in 2018 but that's another story for another time there was a few more, was a few more. <laughs> but, but I'm going to think yeah. less about death next think time think less gonna... about death because yeah. actually it really is anything. It is mm. incredibly safe. It's mm. way safer than driving. Um, especially yes. me driving here. I nearly crashed about four times. Bloody <laughs> London. Anyway, um, but it was yeah, it was it was great. So I was doing that and then I got asked to do this speech and I thought every time I spoke to a business they said, What do I want you to speak about? And they were like, Well, let's talk about culture, teamwork and I was like, Hold on, it's all the stuff we're doing to make maintain safety. It would make a brilliant session. So I designed an entire session around the human factor elements, but with loads of really, really great stories thrown in. Wow. And it's been brilliant. And I speak it. at a lot of schools. So I was speaking to air cadets schools all the time. I mean, I reckon I've spoken to hundreds of thousands of school kids now. So what's your favourite nugget of wisdom that you've learned from being a pilot you like to pass on to people? Control the controllables and if you can't, let it go. Oh, yeah. I love that. Just going to sit love with it. that for a Put, moment. Yeah, yeah control, so think about control that. Control the controllables. And if you can't. And if you can't. Let it go. Let it go. So... Classic, so if the yeah. plane's crashing, well, just be like... Well, here you go. Here's yeah, an example. We're flying back across <laughs> the Atlantic and 9-11 happens. We don't know 9-11 is happening, but we hear that they've shut American airspace. We're in thick cloud. We're doing air-to-air refuelling with a big tanker. And we don't know what, what's going on. It's and where were you at this point? You're literally in... in the middle of the Atlantic. Wow. In going to America. Going on the way home from America. Okay, right. And we were thinking, shit, every aircraft is being diverted, turned back. We're hearing this chaos on the airwaves. And we didn't know what was happening. But what's our biggest risk at this point? Because we're in thick cloud and there's chaos on the airways. It's hitting another aeroplane. So control the controllables. What can you do about this situation? You've no understanding of the bigger picture, but focus on the one thing that you can change, i.e. maintain a safe passageway through the air. So fly the aircraft is always your priority, controlling that controllable. And then when we got over to the UK, we heard this ship, an American ship, and it was on a but exercise off the south coast and there's this like five nautical mile exclusion zone around this ship and a little aeroplane little like puddle jumper aeroplane sightseeing one was flying along the south coast didn't hadn't read about it that day was heading directly towards the americans and we heard that they were loading live weapons and they were about huh. to shoot this aircraft down fuck we've no understanding what's happened in america but we're really hearing this panning out live and we're like what? shit so the we realized fuck? that we were the nearest airborne assets so we we asked air traffic can we help and they dived us down from height and we we managed to get them to change their course um so oh. we ended up basically um getting him to he had three minutes to run and he would have been shot down by the americans the white by the americans yeah fuck so that was a bit of a shocker so that control the controllables and if you can't let it go so like today i was running a bit late for you guys because i was stuck in london it was taking me forever and so you think right what can i do i can't do anything about this i'm stationary but what i can do is let you know so you know what i mean you're just thinking 
and, mm. and then and I can't stress about it, so I won't. Yeah. So I will carry on and listen to my book. Very similar. But we have we have we have drivers in the van, which yes. is like Ellie's dad, my brother, and miserable Steve. But it's really interesting seeing the per- the three different personalities mm. when you're in traffic because there's yeah. nothing you can do. No. And then some I won't name some <laughs> of them. Some of them have a real tantrum about it, and Ellie and I are like. Well, it's we're always the same, aren't we? You yeah. and I are the same. We're like, this is what it is. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. yeah, we, you know, we were we were running late the other week for shows, awful traffic, and again, one of our drivers, no naming no names, <laughs> wouldn't let me check the sat nav to make sure he was going the right way. Why? Um, no, don't Why even. Would he not? Don't even. So <laughs> uh, different driver. we're running late, but <laughs> I just like, yeah. Well, this is what it's, it is. It they is. can't show. I always say they can't start the show without us. Yeah, that's they, a very good you know, point. We, we've never started a show late through our doing. We've yeah. always, even if we turn up late, we, we quickly get the stuff. Yeah, and we yeah, just yeah. get our shit together, so mm. it's fine. And, and we we say very calmly, "There's nothing we can do. No, no. And it doesn't matter. And you can choose. No one's going can, to die. No. And you well, can in your choose, case, yeah, and sometimes that's have not a true. tantrum, and you can choose to get stressed, and then we're all yeah. stressed, or yeah. stick on some tunes, sing a bit yeah. of steps. Yeah. Absolutely. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Absolutely. Yeah. So I could talk to you all day, uh, Mandy, uh, frankly, but um, you have got, for anyone who wants to hear more from you, you've got a book. You've got a book. I what? do. An officer, not a gentleman. Although this weekend I was wearing a moustache and so the photo was taken of me, which was an officer and now a gentleman. Yes, which was good. nice. So Your um, body, your choice. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> We're very happy with whatever any choices people make. So this has got all the rock and roll Top Gun stories in it. All the stories in it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've just started writing another one with my husband. So that could be more interesting. I think that could be a bit more of a, a funny one to be partaking in. But, and yeah. can I read what Carol Vorderman has written? Please love do. Borders. We love Borders. Absolutely. Oh, I've got to on the podcast. Oh. She's listening. She's not, but I love her. Carol says, 
Gripping, emotional, exciting, Mandy doesn't consider herself a trailblazer, though she clearly is. She shows that hard work, determination and perseverance will get you where you want to be. Yeah. And is that true? Do you not consider yourself a trailblazer? Well, or is Lord just talking shit, Mandy? Well, I know I don't. I've actually worked with Carol quite a few times, actually. And Carol, first name terms. Look just at the way we roll. Close personal. <laughs> Absolutely. Big C. Um, <laughs> big bud. Very big C's. Big C and big um, bud. Yeah, basically. G's, I believe. Um. Uh, basically, um, no, I wouldn't consider myself a trailblazer because I think when you're doing something, you're just doing it like you with your gaming. You know what I mean? You're doing it because you love doing it. Yes. And it's only when it's and when I was in the Air Force, I generally just wanted to get on with my job, didn't want any special treatment, you know. Um, they'd often sort of say, oh, can you be in the press? And I'd go, no, I can't, you know. Um, apart from I did write one article for the Marham Matters magazine. That was the station I was on. And it was when I'd flown with a female navigator in the back seat. She just turned up. And so it was, it was history being made. Mm. We had an all-female cockpit. And so I wrote, two birds do it together in a tornado. And then I went <laughs> off to the war, to, to the Gulf, and it then came out. And I hadn't actually told her I'd written this article. Oh. And she basically rang me in the Gulf and went, someone has written this article oh. about two birds doing it together in a tornado. I am so fucking angry. Because the guys had basically blown up this headline, oh, decorated shit. the entire crew room with the headline. Oh, dear. And she was not very happy with me. And I had to sort of go, actually, it was me. Oh, ah, babe, sorry, so babe, babe, well, babe, babe, yeah, babe, babe, that wasn't good. Yeah, but you know, you might not have set out to be a trailblazer. No, but, but sometimes think, yeah. you, you just follow the trail and you look behind you, and it turns out everything's it's on blazing. fire. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. And I think the thing that I would say, actually, in all seriousness, on that one is that I think when I was in head down, get on with your job. On leaving. You know, I think you end up realising you've actually got a responsibility to the next generation. Mm. And which is why I've made it like my mission to be out there in schools, air cadets, you know, to actually talking all the time. This girl at the moment, um, she's on Instagram and she just got in touch with me and she just said, I said, oh my God, great to see you're at RF Shawbury going through your helicopter training. She said, Mandy, you spoke at my school seven years ago. Oh, stop. And oh. that to me, that is your, that is your moment of completion, you know. Yeah. And in my book, I finish it with a story about a girl um, called Emily and I flew with her as their cadet and she turned into the most talented pilot I've ever flown with like in a raw state and she gave me nothing she was a right grunting teenager for the whole of it and at the end I said you're, you're all phenomenal and she said oh but you said it to everyone I was like I've never said it to anyone you're really really talented and she suddenly went oh my god this is all I've ever wanted to do and I'm so scared I was going to fail I decided not to try not to show you I was interested in that classic teen way where we step back from an opportunity because we're mm. scared of failure. Mm. And it was that that basically I, when I saw her a year later and I'd sort of said to her, how are you doing at school? And she went, I hate school. I said, well, school enables this and you're brilliant. Joining of the dots, a purpose, all of those good things. And when I saw her a year later, she went, I've got my exams and I want to be a pilot just like you. And I just thought, oh, my God. And it was these three words, like, just like you. And it hit me like a lightning bolt and I decided that's when I was going to tie in with the drunken story at the dinner party and mm-hmm. change my life entirely and mm. uh, go into the speaking world. Oh, Mandy. <laughs> so there we go. It's all very emotional. You came and you gave without taking. <laughs> I She's, think never also, She's never heard that before. There's also, I'm, I'm Mandy, come fly me, is there not? <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh. What did I say? 
Oh, well, um, again, I could, could bang about planes all day, but Scummy Mummy Confessions, anyone? Yes. Um, I'll go first because this just happened yesterday, so it's fresh in my mind. So, um, yeah, I had a nice weekend. It was, I had a birthday lunch from my mum on Sunday and we ordered a lot of wine. It was all jolly and we all hung out. And then on Monday, I always do, uh, I always do a bar class on Monday and we're doing all these elegant shapes and fifth position and the arms and it's gorgeous gorgeous and then the teacher lovely lily is like okay go and get your mats so go to get that mats and um as i was taking mine off the rack this woman who i've never spoken to before in the class said to me um has someone just so you know i think someone's been drawing on your arm and i looked at my bicep and i'd forgotten that the afternoon before my son (laughs) had picked up a pen and said mum can i give you a tattoo (laughs) And drunkenly, I said, yeah, yeah, fine, that'd be funny. And he'd drawn, obviously, a penis. Because if nice. you give a 12-year-old boy a pen, yeah, that's what he will draw. Would, yeah. And then I had said, no, no, you haven't done it properly. Add some more detail. Oh. So it was quite a detail. <laughs> oh, Elliot. Oh, 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 my. So nice. I've been doing, like, Swan Lake arms da, 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 with a da. penis oh. on my arm. It's a lovely moment. And she was so... And yeah. I I said to the lady, thank thank." No, yes! that's not. She was I'm glad like, that you've I, rubbed it off now, though. I, I immediately then sort yeah. of spat on it, and I went in the pool for half an hour to uh, get rid yeah. of it. But I'm very grateful to that lady for. Uh... <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that that out. It. But this was after I'd been up the top. I'd been on the stair stepper. I'd been on the cycling yeah. machine. Oh, yeah. No. Like, so, yeah. That is mm. a classic. Thanks, son. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll go if you like. Go so it, I have just had the pleasure of going on a saga cruise. Oh. oh don't judge me. No. Don't judge no, me. No, Why no, not? no. Well, they paid for me to do it and I did a speech on board and my husband came too. And it was absolutely brilliant. bloody brilliant. And so the generation that you're talking to generally, probably average age of about 75, met some wonderful people and I did a speech early on and uh, everyone just kept saying am I doing the fighter pilot the whole time I was in the lift by myself and I might have just I might have just let a little trump go let it go yeah, yeah. because yeah. I was by myself C- control what you can control control you let control. it go I obviously couldn't control it <laughs> uh, I may have let a little bit of air escape and then the lift opened and an old couple came in, instantly went, Mandy, the fighter pilot, how wonderful to see you. The fighter pilot? The the smell may have pervaded the atmosphere. Oh, God. Once they were then in, and it was quite a noxious fume. So what happened at that point is she looked to her husband and said, Harold, was that you? He said, I can't remember. And I said, it happens to the best of <laughs> Mandy. <laughs> Mandy Hickson, Farter Pilot. Oh, and there you have it. There, there you go. That's your new call sign, the trump in it. Oh, the trump in it. She controlled the situation very well. I, did, I thought I did. So, to Harold, I just want to apologise. Oh, sorry, I don't Harold. think it's his target, the title. I can't oh. remember. Oh, that's um, hilarious. Um, did you have one then? I, I did. I And, and this is sort of like uh, karma, because I a couple of weeks ago, I was walking down the street and... I walked past a bus stop and a lady dropped her trousers and pooed oh, in the afternoon. It's what? south-east London. It's south-east well, London. Just things happen. The bus stop. Literally dropped yeah. her trousers like, in broad daylight. And I, I've oh never... Oh, my God. I don't know. And just like an I'm open shocked. street. I'm shocked. You don't get that in Winchester. No. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, and I was like, oh, wow, that's quite confronting. Never seen anyone, you know, I've never was pooed it, outside before. A diarrhoea poo as well. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. She really she needed to go. She did some bad fudge. Yeah, she yeah. really... <laughs> <laughs> anyway so I you know I, I thought that was kind of confronting and I thought oh I've never pooed outside 
fast forward two days, we go out really late for a big curry in Newcastle and I have to do a run in the morning. No, no, oh, um, sorry, in Leeds. In Leeds. And, and it's a really hot morning and I'm running along and I go right out to the canals far, far away and I was like, oh, oh no, it's I got coming. the sweats. I got yeah. the sweats. I thought, can't fart. And so I had yeah. to like run through scrubbery and through like nettles and then I just... yeah. 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 But there's something about your body though, isn't there? Because I had that when I've been running in the past and mm. it's like going to fight, flight or freeze mode, basically. Yeah. Your flight mode is you've got to get rid of everything in your body. I did mm. it on the moonwalk actually in London and the only place I could poo was in a cemetery. Oh, well. Yeah. They're not going to mind. <laughs> no. Well, they didn't. I don't, there was no one arguing to, you know, debating the case, but that was not a proud moment actually, no. to be honest. But so, yeah. yes. But you found it. You found. I, I went. I, I ran into push. the scrub. Yeah. You know the scrub area, so no one could see me. It was off off the off the yeah. river, and oh, oh, I just pooed for days. Yeah, I just, yeah. I I found some dandelion leaves. Yeah. They're, they're very Excellent. soft and soothing after the. Um, <coughs> <Yeah>. <coughs> but then yeah. my favourite bit was you told me and Steve about this in yeah. the van. Yeah. And it was just after the amazing Tina Turner had died. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, for the rest of the van journey, we just sang shit bush, <laughs> shit bush, city limits. <laughs> 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's what oh. you wanted. Yeah, yeah it, was exactly. a real, it was a real fitting tribute. Well, you should um, be the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. There yeah. we well, go. Well, what an ending. Absolutely. Yes. Um, yes. Oh, well, there we go. So your book, An Officer Not a Gentleman, is out now, Mandy. It is. And where can people follow you? Get it on Oh, any social media, basically. Just Mandy Hickson. Just Mandy Hickson. Yeah. 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 Anything is just Mandy Hickson and you'll find me. Lovely. Yeah. Um, we're on tour like we always are. So if you go to scummymummies.com, you can see all the dates and all the tickets. Yes, and we're even booking for like 2024. I'm we very are. excited. And uh, later in the year, we're going to places like Leamington Spa, Cambridge. We're going to do some big dates at Catford again for our Christmas show. Bath, uh, yeah. Bath, sorts, yeah. wonderful. And pool. I'm very much looking yeah. forward to going to pool. But next year, we've just had confirmed... We're going back to Chipping Norton. Oh, yay! And in February, why, yeah. Yes, and Can't why wait. do we love Chipping Norton? Because we might see our friend Philip Ellie. Oh, Philip, who accidentally came to our show one night because he turned up at the theatre on the wrong night to see another comedian. Oh. And someone gave him a spare ticket. And bless him, he was the only man in the audience. And he was sat there like... But, and um, by himself he as well. It. By yeah, himself. Oh, God. But, um, well he... He stayed for the whole show. Like, I thought he might leave at the interview. He stayed for the whole show. And then afterwards, he, we, he came and met us and gave us a hug and said he'd loved it. So, oh, yeah. love you, Philip. Hope to see you again. Mm. Um, he's not listening. Thank you so much, Mandy, for living my dream. Uh, it's been amazing to meet you. And, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, you're a fucking inspiration. Are you yeah. now off to Heathrow not to fly a plane but to inspire more people I am indeed I am indeed very exciting but it's been lovely chatting to you guys don't forget to put your cosmetics in a little plastic bag (laughs) (laughs) alright thank you for listening listeners until next time bye bye Yeah, but, you know, you might not have set out to be a trailblazer, no, but, but sometimes think, yeah. you follow the trail, Mandy, and you look... look I'm making a very poignant... Know, sorry, sorry. Siri, Siri, didn't get that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.